0: On this week's episode of Inside Outside Innovation, we sit down with David Roger, founder of Felix Gray, the e-commerce eyewear company with proprietary blue light filtering technology. David and I talk about the founder's journey of launching a new category of eyewear and the challenges along the way. Let's get started. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast to help you rethink, reset, and remix yourself and your organization. Each week, we'll bring the latest innovators, entrepreneurs, and pioneering businesses, as well as the tools, tactics, and trends you'll need to thrive as a new innovator. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, and as always, we have another amazing guest, Today, we have David Roger. He is the founder of Felix Gray, an e-commerce eyewear company with proprietary blue light filtering technology, and he's got quite an interesting story. So welcome to the show, David.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Our paths have not crossed until today, but a lot of our common network have in the past. You started your company, Felix Gray, in 2016. Let's go back to the beginning, and let's talk about how you got involved in becoming an entrepreneur.
1: In college, I initially thought I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I went to school for. And by sophomore year, I realized I did not want to do that. And I kind of love this idea of starting businesses. And this is a time where TechCrunch was starting to get really popular and you'd read a lot of different things and different entrepreneurial things. And it was something really exciting. I ended up starting my first business in college, which was a secondary school newspaper. And I had to sell print advertising to local stores and, and shops and businesses. And if you want to learn how tough selling is, try doing that. And then when I left Cornell, I went and joined Venture for America, which was basically Teach for America, but applied to startups and entrepreneurship, founded by Andrew Yang, who was running for Democratic nominee a couple of years ago and is now running actually in the mayor, the New York mayor race. And so that's kind of how I got into entrepreneurship.
0: I think you started in Vegas. Is that correct? Working with Tony Shea and the Downtown Project. and. Maybe tell us a little bit about that Vegas tech fund and some of the stuff that you've done in there.
1: So through Venture for America, they were in partnership with Tony's Downtown Project. And so that's how I got connected with them. I interviewed out there, really bought into the mission, really thought it was an amazing thing to build a walkable, livable downtown area, which is Vegas is not known for that. It's basically all suburbs and then essentially the strip, which is a transient first population. And so I thought that was an amazing mission. I was part of the Vegas Tech Fund, but my primary job was on their operations team. Basically, when I got there, Tony had put in 350 million of his own money into revitalizing the area. And we had no idea if projects that we had going on ranging from a million to $25 million were going to make money or lose money. It was kind of the Wild West. And they threw me in and they said, go figure this out. And so it was really cool, great job right at school. I will say it did mean that I was in front of Excel building financial models 12 hours a day. (laughs) That's when my eyes started to absolutely kill me. I was looking around, looking at everyone else, complaining about the same things, their eyes being tired of the day, their eyes being dry, headaches, blurry vision, and kind of looked and said, okay, why is this a thing? Everyone I know at work and half the people I know in my friend group that are in different jobs all around the country, why are we all complaining about the same thing? That's when I started talking to optometrists, ophthalmologists, learned around what screens produce which is blue light and glare and basically that caused a lot of these issues that get categorized as digital eye strain so if you can filter blue light you can eliminate glare you create this more comfortable experience
0: i love the genesis of that but not every new idea becomes a company and so you know, how did you make that jump from hey i've got a individual problem from the standpoint of you know my eyes are getting strained from all the work i'm doing on screens to hey, I think there's something here that I can create a company around?
1: So the first thing was really recognizing that problem, right? So recognizing the problem in myself and then recognize that problem in a lot of other people. So whether it was people complaining about it firsthand or me saying, hey, do your eyes ever get exhausted at the end of the day? Do you ever deal with a headache? And everyone's saying yes. You're like, okay, there's something here. So then I start to understand, okay, what is going on? So that's when I start talking to eye professionals that are understanding what could be these root causes and so when i'm talking to ophthalmologists and optometrists are saying look screens are a large driver behind this and particularly what screens produce blue light and glare and so like look you can filter blue light you can eliminate glare you can create a more comfortable experience there are these glasses out there they're yellow or orange lenses and basically they're going to help so I look, and they're not only yellow and orange lenses, but they look like hunting goggles. And if you put them on your face, it'll look like one of the X-Men. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't wear that. And we'll show this to plenty of other people. Like, hey, this will solve your problems. They're like, I'm not wearing it. Right? So basically, the idea was, okay, well, how do you create something that is functional, but also can look good? At the flip side, there were a couple other things in the market at the time. And this is still the case today, but these clear lenses, basically the optometrist, the ophthalmologist, the real eye care professional said, this stuff is not really filtering real blue light. It's filtering two to three percent of blue light where mm-hmm. it actually matters, The screens produce blue light. It's basically placebo, it's not worth buying. So what I did then was said, Okay, well, how can you marry the fashion function? How can you create something that has a beautiful frame, but a really functional lens? And that's when I started working through a lot of networking with with different lens suppliers and ended up developing a proprietary way of filtering blue light that can still have a clear lens, but be highly effective, right? So Felix Gray's lens, even today, filters 30% of blue light instead of 2% of blue light at the 455 nanometer range, which is where screens produce blue light, right? So basically, we filter 15 times more blue light where it's important. And that's why nine out of 10 people who wear Felix Gray report significant improvement. But that was the genesis. It was, okay, let's, spend time building a great product off the bat that's not only going to make your eyes feel great but make you feel great you feel confident in what you're wearing and from there start
0: and obviously there were some signals in the marketplace that e-commerce was taking off Warby Parker I think has just been around and being introduced the concept of cheaper or less expensive frames that you would buy than going to the store and stuff so there are some signals in that how did you go from the concept of, there's a problem here, I think I can solve it from technology perspective, and then creating an e-commerce company, those are different things as well. How did you go about building the team and experimenting your way to where you're at now?
1: e was definitely growing. I would say that the distinction between what Felix Barry was doing and a lot of what other direct-to-consumer was doing was direct-to-consumer was basically saying, here's a toothbrush, you've always bought a toothbrush, let's make a prettier-looking toothbrush. And let's cut costs through the supply chain, and then be able to deliver to you, and use you know Facebook Advertising Center in order to get it off the ground. We were basically creating a new category. We're saying, look, we believe that this is a big problem. After looking at lots of research through companies like the Vision Council, which is an independent group of optometrists and ophthalmologists, you're learning that 60 to 70 percent of People are experiencing digital eye strains You're realizing this is a big problem, but the market is really low. So the awareness is not there. The problem is obvious. It's just that no one has applied. No one has called out that problem and no one has brought a real great solution to the market. What we said is the best way to do that is to do that through a new age direct consumer model as opposed to the traditional retail model. Because especially when something is new, a retailer is not going to say, sure, I'm just going to buy this thing you know, I'm going to help educate your potential customers. It doesn't work like that, right? So we had a lot better direct connection to the customer if we could go straight to C.
0: My understanding is you got scrappy. The early stages, it's when you're trying to start a new category. Sometimes there's not investors that are interested in starting a new category in that. So talk us through how you got off the ground.
1: I remember, you know, at the time, Away Luggage had just raised $2 million, free revenue. My co-founder and I said, okay, look, we're two smart you know, guys. We he came from hedge funds. I came from an entrepreneurial background. And we said, look, we can go raise some money. And we basically got laughed out of the room because people said, you're not going to start a new market. And especially, we were selling specifically non-prescription glasses. So people with either contacts or 2020 said, you're not going to get hmm. people who wear glasses who don't wear glasses. And so we actually said, we believe in this product. We've tested it among friends and it's a really good success. So the first thing we did when we really got scrappy is when we launched in January 2016 in a closed beta, we actually did what we called an office program. We worked with offices all around New York, Spotify, Uber, Barclays, LinkedIn, and we would go in and offer up to 50 pairs of glasses to employees for a two-week free trial period. We took care of everything. So really easy for a culture or HR team to just say, hey, this is a fun little perk. We don't have to do anything, and it's a nice thing to offer. And at the end of that program, people could either return them, we come and pick them up, or... They could use their own credit card to buy. And we were seeing about one in three people without knowing about Felix Gray, without knowing about Blue Light, buy right off the bat. And then we always get emails like we'd always pick up on a Friday. And then by Monday, Tuesday, we'd always get all these emails saying, actually, my eyes are killing me. Can you come back so I can buy those glasses? So we knew we had something there. Then.
0: And so you did an Indiegogo campaign as well and, and raised some money from friends and family and then manufacturing. And. That's expensive. (laughs) So how do you get off the ground with just selling individual orders?
1: That private beta happened after the Indigo campaign. So I'd say that when we did the Indigo campaign, we really didn't have a company at all. There's no supply chain in place yet. Basically it was rough estimates of what we would need in order to place our first minimum order quantities. And we didn't even know what the suppliers were. We just knew that was roughly what it was going to be and we would figure that all out later. So I think for us, we were in a position where we used Indiegogo very much as a friends and family way of raising some money. People could contribute fifty dollars here, a hundred dollars there, and then you know some people, you know, friends of friends got interested, excited about the idea. But you know, you see some Indiegogo campaigns that are really, really polished. They really know their supply chain. They know exactly what's going on. They've already built prototypes, and now they're raising for you know that full kind of I'd say seed round right it goes beyond actually just the production there's marketing expenses that they're looking to raise and things like that we were very much like hey we don't know if this is going to work let's raise as little as possible off the bat we didn't raise our official seed round until a year after we launched so in 2016 right so we raised our first seed in March of 2017 once we started to have
0: and so, flash forward, we're, what, five years or so into your journey. What are some of the lessons learned along the way? And then we can talk about where you're at today.
1: Starting with a really high-quality product, particularly one of ours that is proprietary and just works better than others, does mean a lot, right? Because at the end of the day, you can have the best brand, the best marketing. If you don't have a great product, it can win, but it often doesn't, especially if you're trying to be scrappy, you know, word of mouth. Is still our largest source of revenue from any individual channel, and we do a lot of advertising on a lot of different channels, including podcasts, including you know Facebook, Instagram, Google, influencers, things like that. So it's not like we're not marketing; just word of mouth still continues to be really, really strong. Another thing I'd say is you know when we launched, we launched as a blue light company, we launched as a blue light product. We were really growing this market. Over time, I think it's important for brands to understand really at the core of what they stand for and what they need. For us, that is this idea of your digital wellness, right? So we fundamentally believe in improving the relationship between people and their technology. We believe that like, if you are able to do that, you can help people live a happier, a healthier, more productive life in our screen for the world, right? You're either happier because your eyes aren't killing you at the end of the day. We've even had the best review I ever have gotten was a person saying that their marriage has gotten better with their spouse because they don't come home grumpy. Because their (laughs) eyes aren't exhausted. And at the same time, you could also be more productive, right? So you might have to burn the minute oil to get a project done. And you're able to do that because your eyes aren't killing you. You're not dealing with that headache. But at the core of what we stand for, it is really this idea of how do we help your digital being? If we care about who we put into our bodies, we care about the exercise we get. Then we sit in front of our laptops or monitors for 10 plus hours a day, watch TV for a couple hours or on our phones for every minute in between. We know that's not good for us, so why not have a healthy relationship during that time of our day? And that is ultimately what drives new product development that's in the works. It ultimately drives the conversations that we want to have with customers, the type of partnerships we're looking to do. And so I do think that finding like your brand or Star is very important.
0: So we've had a challenging year, as everybody has uh, around the world. I always like to ask founders, what have you learned over this past 18 months in COVID and that? How has that affected your business? How has it affected your ability to, to manage teams and grow what you're growing? And uh, what are your takeaways from where we've been and where we're coming out of?
1: Yeah, from a business standpoint, I think, you know, particularly in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone's indoors. Everyone's now learning to use Zoom. And, you know, we saw, you know, blue light, the category really exploded. I think now you're seeing kind of the opposite happen where everyone is just focused on being outside most people are vaccinated <laughs> and which is to be expected you know it makes sense but the awareness overall has risen a great deal and you're seeing a customer set you know 80% of our customers do their research beforehand so you know as the space matures there's a lot of competition out there from $20 products on Amazon that are honestly pretty crap to like you know $150 products and people are wondering because that price point is so wide, what are the differences? And a lot of times they'll do the research. So right. we're learning a lot about that. In terms of business and managing a team, You know, we've always had a fundamental philosophy of it's more important to get your work done and get your work done well than to just be in the office. And so while we had an office first culture, performance was not reliant on if you showed up to the office or not. You had a plumber that needed to come. Of course, you could work from home for the day. If you just weren't feeling like coming in, you could work from home for the day. So we already had, I'd say, an innate level of trust with everyone on the team. And so when we switched to work from home, I think it was less of a transition for us and less of transition for people that manage teams here than it was for you know other companies where that culture was less so. Now, I will say that over time, you obviously... Miss those interactions with individual people. You miss just being able to get in touch. And so, you know, we started doing randomized lunches every other week so that you can kind of have these small group lunches. That was really nice. Also, nice thing is a lot of people are slacking all the time now. And it was really nice to slack call or just actually call someone because I liken it to just swiveling your chair around and then talking to the person next to you. And we weren't able to do that anymore. And you lose so much if you're just texting. If you're just typing on Slack, you lose all that tone. So that was another thing that we learned over time. Like, hey, let's just get on a one-minute phone call. It doesn't have to blow up into this whole thing. It can just be a one-minute phone call to talk through something.
0: So coming out of it, are you going back to the office? Are you doing hybrid? Where are you sitting?
1: We'll end up having a hybrid. So we're figuring that out right now, but it's clear that most people want some office environment, but they don't want to go back five days a week. We've also started to hire people outside of New York which I think has been awesome. It's a great way to expand the talent pool. And the way that I see those things going is having a couple of offsites every year to bring everyone together. And I actually right. think having multiple offsites is really helpful anyway, because everyone is, especially in a small company, working and being pretty busy, everyone is so heads down often, it's really hard to get people up and just kind of have their heads out of the sand. And that's especially true of people who are, you know, at at lower levels of the company. And that's really, really important to get their perspective too. And offsites are a great way to do that.
0: Do you have any kind of go-to resources that you'd recommend for entrepreneurs or innovators out there that you rely on or use to keep you up to date and moving forward?
1: The best thing is your own network. And as you build that network, then you might become in text groups or Slack groups of different things so that you know what's going on, whether that's marketing or supply chain or leadership. I think surrounding yourselves with a couple of key mentors is also really important to better understand how to build teams in particular. So I would say network more than anything. There's a couple of good newsletters and, and stuff like that. Forerunner has a really good one. I always like to read Not Boring, which is not usually in the D2C space, but I think it's just very, very thoughtful and strategic. And you can learn a lot about the thought that companies put into their strategy through newsletters like that. But I would say more than anything, it's building your own network because that's where the real valuable advice is going to come from.
0: What's next for Felix Gray? What do you see coming out in the next few months, years? Where do you see the company going and what's new and exciting in your world?
1: Yeah, so we're really focused on the digital wellness space. So, you know, there'll be some things that we're going to launch a warranty program pretty soon. We'll launch accessories pretty soon, really just additional things on the eyewear side. But we do have a couple of products that are not eyewear related that we're Looking to launch one of them in actually like late summer, early fall. It's a product that helps your long term eye health and also helps your short term eye comfort. So it's kind of something that we look to be in addition to Felix Gray. And the way that we're thinking about the business overall is really this idea of we want to own and help facilitate the conversation around your digital well being and then create products that support that, right? Products that support the fact that we weren't evolved to be in front of screens all day, every day. There's negative effects that are associated with that. And we want products that help mitigate those negative effects.
0: Well, David, thank you again for coming on Inside Outside Innovation to share your founder journey and and give us some insights into where you see the world going. I really do appreciate it. If people want to find out more about yourself or about the company, what's the best way to do that?
1: You can follow us at Felix Gray's. So it's the same F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y-S. Felix Gray was taken when we first started that. You obviously can sign up to to our newsletter as well. Those are probably the best two ways to follow the company.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show and looking forward to continuing the conversation in the years to come and appreciate all your time.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It was great.
0: That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, Check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.